Hello and welcome back to the Sauna Collective at thesaunacollective.com. I'm Darren Scott and I'm joined today with my partners in crime. As usual, I have Alan Dupuy from Calgary, Scott Gregory from Calgary, and all the way across the pond, our friend in Bangkok, Thailand, Scott Coates. How you doing, guys? What up? Doing well. Doing well. Awesome. All good. Awesome. Yeah, we're staying busy during COVID. I guess uh, yeah. recording a podcast now is a good idea because then you can just stay at your computer and get to talk to people. Right. Yeah. We were doing it before it was the socially mandated. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive into the this month's pick. And uh, this time we had uh, decided to do a random category. So we picked, uh, we didn't pick it, uh, Scott Coates at the Magic Generator of Goodness. And it came up with, it was already hip hop or rap, hip hop. Same diff, I guess. Well. That's the thing. So yeah, <laughs> I won't get it. Let's not get into that. But uh, anyway, I, I, I started this off and I kind of got thinking about it. One thing I, I thought, because I actually really like the genre, I wanted to kind of go back to the roots a bit. And I don't know what the other members are going to do, but I got to go first. So I decided, why not try and pick something that maybe was a, a, a seed that helped uh, grow hip hop into what it is today. So kind of in my research, and I had been stumbled across the song a few times and known it was Gil Scott Heron's um, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised was the name of that particular song that I had heard, but uh, it's on this Pieces of a Man album. Uh, actually, that particular song was on his first album, but more in a spoken word format. So when he brought it over onto Pieces of a Man, he basically produced it into a more of a musical piece. So this album was really, uh, it came out in 1971, I guess you should say that. Uh, Gil Scott Heron is no longer with us. He passed in 2011, I think he's about 62, but he was a spoken word, uh, he was a poet first. He was a writer and poet first, and then got into spoken word recordings with usually just like uh, really lo-fi instrumental in the background, a lot of just kind of congos uh, and drums and things like that. Um, and if we kind of take a step back for a second before I throw it to the other guys, I'll just do a little bit of rap and uh, history. And I, I kind of learned a bit that there, there's different roots of, of rap, where hip hop and rap came from in that music. But a lot of it, of course, you know, you'll hear from uh, uh, church and pastors. Beginning of rap was called Griot, which is weird, like G-R-I-O-T. And it was really how back then it was people actually close up in the government, but they would be. Uh, storytellers. This is, you know, pre-technology. -te pre and they would usually just show up and tell stories of history and, and maybe praise somebody or degrade the enemy. And it was usually in kind of a spoken word type of format. And same thing, somebody might be playing drums or things in the background. So they think that's kind of where that all started. Uh, and then it kind of, you know, when, it, when uh, slavery happened and black people were brought over, they kept some of that in their culture. And then uh, it kind of spread into what will become, you know, spoken word and especially to rhythm with spoken word. So anyway, I'm kind of beating around the bush and I don't want to necessarily go first, even though I want to uh, hear from you guys. So um, I'm going to kick it over to Alan. What do you think of this album, man? All right. Um, Gil Scott Heron. I really liked it. It was to me, it was like um, a trip back in time to a specific time and place and that's something I've said many times in the past on this podcast, but these recordings are really, you can look at them almost like a time capsule of what's happening in the artist's life and how society as a whole is kind of reflected through this artwork. So um, like listening to this and sonically it, it kind of, 
reminded me of like those black exploitation films and uh you know the cliche porno music <laughs> kind of a thing but <laughs> i you know when you when you start looking at the lyrics and you can see this guy is in a lot of pain <laughs> he is mm-hmm. like he's going through some shit um and you can't help but empathize with that and everything everything he was singing about even if it wasn't necessarily in first person you know sometimes he was storytelling um but you couldn't help but think that he was speaking from the heart and uh yeah just a a really fascinating trip sonically for me to to take um i listened to it a number of times i really liked the the first half of the album but after pieces of a man it kind of started to uh to wane for me a little bit in terms of how much I enjoyed it. And there were some songs that were actually kind of painful to listen to. Um, <laughs> specifically the song Peace. Uh, it, there were, this was an era before auto-tune. So there were times when he was just singing off key. And I think there was like a really awful harmony in there. And there was like some disharmonic pitch action going on it it kind of actually hurt my ears but um yeah i think the first half of this album was really strong uh my favorite track probably would have been lady day and john coltrane yeah, great also, track yeah it was a banger i really liked home is where the hatred is that one um from a content perspective is really dark um mm-hmm. it's but it's a good insight into what this guy was going through. And then of course, you know, I got to throw love at the revolution will not be televised. I didn't, um, I didn't necessarily enjoy it musically, but just knowing uh, it's, this is like the prototype for conscious rap. And, you know, I've heard numerous um, rap and hip hop artists kind of um, pay homage to the revolution will not be televised. I had seen that, you know, spray painted everywhere many times before ever having heard of Gil Scott Heron. So yeah, really interesting pick. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed it. And I'm curious what uh, Scott Coates thought. Yeah, good one, Alan. Um, you know, I echo pretty similarly to you. Um, the album grabbed me at the start because there's a... DJ from San Francisco that makes mixes a couple of months and probably a decade or so ago, one of his mixes in it had um, the spoken word for the revolution will not be televised over kind of a much uh, faster beat. And I always wondered what that was from. And I really liked it. And then so this album started, I was like, oh, damn, this is the guy, because literally for a decade, I've been wondering where that came from. So I thought that was really neat as far as an opener for an album like it it sets a stamp about what the album is about, right? Like he basically, it's kind of the cause, the statement of the cause right at the start. So great opener. Um, Lady Day and John Coltrane, like, wow. I mean, the message to kind of stay healthy and positive. I mean, this guy's a real community leader. And in some ways, this album could almost be his platform if he was running for public office. Um, And you mentioned a time capsule. Like, yeah, it reeks of a push for equal rights and black rights. 
I happen, I was thinking this was late 60s, early 70s, and I looked back on Darren's post and yet 71. So it really is a statement of the time and a time capsule, which is neat. Um, overall, it's nice, but you know, pieces of a man, sign of the ages, uh, piece. I find a lot of them like the middle to late section kind of just sounded similar. And I found myself listening to it cooking or working and I wouldn't have been able to differentiate the last 20 minutes I'd listened to. It wasn't bad. It was just to me kind of became awfully similar and repetitive. Um, Toast to the people is a nice ender. Like again, really sticking it to the man, unity, staying together. So I'm glad we listened to it. Um, I liked it. You could easily put it on when you have people over for dinner or drinks. Not offensive, despite kind of some of the lyrics, but it didn't wow me, but but it, it was interesting. It was good. Um, why don't I throw it over to the other Scott, Mr. Gregory? Yeah, I um, I really enjoyed this album. Uh, it kind of surprised me out of the gate because I don't know if I just, if Darren had told us ahead of time that it wasn't an actual rap hip-hop album, uh, but I came in expecting like some really early proto rap or something like that. Right. And I guess it is proto rap, but then like the jazz flute starts and I'm like, what is this? Yeah. So I have challenges really trying to connect with jazz in general and jazz flute just as a total turnoff for me. So it, it was a struggle. The first listen on the first two or three songs here, right? Well, I just really realized what I was getting into, but then you know, like the revolution will not be televised. Uh, that's clearly like can't hold us back. Public enemy. They're sampled by so many people. Or he is right. Mm-hmm. I, I went to and I, I think we should do this a couple times. Who sampled dot com. Uh, this guy has 10 tabs of people who have sampled him, including Rihanna, Kanye, uh, you know, Kenrick, Drake, Common, Travis Scott, tons of people. Kanye and, loved and him so much. He played at his funeral. Oh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really started connecting later on. And I know he's not speaking to my experience, but I think the song in particular, uh, Pieces of a Man, today, like listening to it right now and just being in this constant fear of being laid off and getting a letter myself and, and having a son and stuff like that and just how devastating it would be to me to hear him singing about that in a time when it was all too common, uh, that shattered me for a second, right? And and I can see that with a lot of these songs that people are going through all of these things. He's speaking to common experience and and someone's going to catch on each one of these songs. Right. And I think that's its powers. Him as a lyricist, uh, he's just really connecting right down to the bone and marrow of what was going on then. And I think we're back into a period where we're talking about um, racial uh, wealth inequity, all these types of things. And I think he's really accessible to another generation of people out there. Uh, individually, I, I did like the revolution will not be be televised. It was fairly unique. Um, I could not get to into or down you fall. It's that flute just killed me, especially when it starts mirroring the look. You know, I think I've mentioned before how I don't like it when the drums start mirroring whatever the vocals are. It's even worse with the flute. So game over on that front for me. But uh, I like, I think I'll call it morning. You know, he's got, I really like it when he just really slows down, but also when he gets a little whimsical. And, and I got into that side of the jazz side when he we pulled it up. It just really seemed like a perfect pairing with his voice on that one. So, 
yeah, I think I think I'll call it morning is my favorite song on the um, on the entire album. Home is where the hatred is. He gets a lot of props for that uh, out in the industry and stuff like that, and echoing Alan's uh, sentiment there that you can really feel the emotion coming out of his voice, and I think that is most evident on this song here. Uh, and it's strangely upbeat. And then you actually stop and you listen to what the lyrics are and you're like, oh my God, this is like, this is horrible. What's going on? Here? So, And I think that's the strength of his vocals too, is that um, a lot of the background music playing behind him, it could be fast, it could be slow. Um, I don't know if it would really impact the strength of the song, right? Like I feel his lyrics are just so strong that he could tweak them and, and really pull it off in either direction. I'm just in awe of his writing and, and his voice over top. It's just so dominating that the music almost seems secondary to it. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this thing out. And that's, I think, uh, a positive, right? It's been a month with this thing and I'm still <laughs> pulling strings on it and different stuff is happening. So I'm glad you picked this. Uh, I can see the fingerprints of artists, you know, or him in other people, his fingerprints in others albums all the way up through the decades and it's pretty cool to track it back to the source of the river mm -hmm. yeah interesting input and I, and I share a lot of the same thoughts too i think i maybe liked it a little bit more than you guys i i really like the genre i really bought into the story of it i think one thing too is um it's hard to put yourself back in 1971 you none of you were alive i was probably not quite two <laughs> but um really at the time i mean the funk was really starting to get popular and you know james brown uh was kind of just in 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 the groove here and great style but he kind of took you know funk soul jazz and smashed it all together and i think at that time it sounds familiar now because i think it's that type of sound is, has been expanded on but at the time they weren't really fusing those styles right and mm -hmm. and then and secondary and i think one thing that's important especially if we're talking about hip-hop or i guess more you know rap especially but is you know really the voice of you know black america especially and the frustration and and i know it's worldwide but um in this particular instance, we're talking about the United States and where it happened. Um, there was a good quote, I'll post it, but uh, just daysdigital.com. And he said, I saw some shit that needed to be spoken on and nobody was speaking on it. So I just said it. And I mean, I think that was yeah. the thing. He just wanted to really get out there. And he was quite political his whole life. He was in and out of jail for drug charges, mostly weed, which is stupid now. But um you know, and he made an album later in life, too. I have that. It's really good as well. Um, but always political. And funny enough, a lot of people, uh, like he just died in 2011, so fairly recently. And rap was obviously quite big by then. And they, they would uh, often call him, you know, one of the grandfathers of this art form. And he actually shunned that. He didn't like it because he actually didn't really like a lot of rap. He hated the misogyny. He hated, like, look at my mama. Look how much money I have. He hated all that. You know, I th he really liked the political stuff, like you mentioned Public Enemy uh, and even like Grandmaster Flash, like that genre that came out and really started telling the, the stories from the street. But he actually didn't really like, he doesn't like that style of rap that's just, I guess, 
fun, stupid. <laughs> you know, he was really that he thought that they should be using that more as uh, to have a voice. Um, yeah, Brian was Brian Jackson was a piano player, and you mentioned his singing. And, and Alan, I know, being someone can sing, he caught that. And but really, this was the first time he had tried singing. He hadn't really done that before. He was just doing spoken words. So, you know, I guess he got through it pretty good, considering. But yeah, it definitely. I guess it added to the stuff. <laughs> I can't sing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I really like that strife. You know, if you think uh, like Nina Simone and artists like that are often also sampled in hip hop a lot, but same thing because of their strong political message. And they were genius musicians, especially somebody like Nina Simone. Um, and it, I don't, I don't know music that well structurally, but you know, one thing I kept coming across, they said, especially the revolution will not be televised. They said the structure and the formula that the song was actually chunked together, uh, you know, how the chorus bridge, well, however that worked, they said became really a template for hip hop. So even though we might not be able to distinguish it, I guess that structure and how that was written really kind of started to come through and how they would piece together these songs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he called it bluesology, the science of how things feel. That's what he referred to his own style, which is kind of kind of interesting. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, maybe I'll just go first with the scores and then pass it on. Uh, for me, this, this was all fours. I, I gave it a four for influence. I didn't know him that much at the time, but I, I, I see the stamp on the influence and I always have liked that kind of music. Uh, I, I would recommend the same thing of four, especially if you, I think if you like uh, soul, jazz, and you know early hip hop uh, things like that. Maybe if you're a hardcore rap fan, you'll have trouble going back and figuring out how this was rap. Uh, you know, I guess the revolution will be televised, but the rest of the album you'll be like, what? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that just leads to a four overall. All right, Alan, what about you? Um, yeah, I would say I would give it probably a three and a half all around um you know maybe a four for influence not because it influenced me directly but it definitely mm -hmm. obviously influenced so many of the uh, artists that i appreciate to this day so yeah mm -hmm. yeah really solid great scott c um, yeah, just before my review, you know, you, you kind of got me thinking about something when you were saying these sounds probably hadn't been heard altogether in that way. And I kind of wonder, like, how crazy and dangerous did this music sound at the time, right? Because it's super mellow. But I remember I had an iced tea power poster on my wall when I was a kid and it had a white and like a skimpy bikini. I think that you was do. a main point my mom objected to. But kind of the whole persona of that, and my parents weren't racist, like furthest thing from it. But I can definitely know that like that album and that poster, like parents were against it. So I bet you there was a ton of whiteies that if they heard the first song on this album would be like, holy shit, the Black Panthers, like Black Power and just be fearful and turn mm -hmm. it off. So, I mean, I bet you it really was something at the time. Um, yeah. For influence, I don't think it influences me. I'll give it a two and a half because it's not going to send me down you know, a spoken word uh, rabbit hole or anything, I'd recommend it. I'd give it a 3.5 to someone that's really kind of interested in solar rap. Um, overall, I'll give it a 3.5. I don't see myself coming back to it too often, but yeah, I could maybe throw it on again while just doing something around the house. Enjoyed the experience. Glad we heard it. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, let's we throw it over to Mr. Gregory now. 
Yeah, so I kind of echo that, right, when you're talking about uh, what it was in its period of time. I pulled up the Billboard Hot 100 singles for 71, and the top five are the Bee Gees, the Osmonds, Carol King, Rod Stewart, and Three Dog Night. There you go. <laughs> so, so this is a big departure from that. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this comes out, and they're like, hey, Smitty, what are we doing to each other? Let's let's get our act together. Let's you know do better kind of what Scott said, that would be the biggest fear for a lot of racist and other stuff going on out there, right? Uh, I think as far as scores, influence, I'm going to go to a 4.5 just because even though it, it is that secondary influence that we've all talked about, uh, I've mentioned before, Public Enemy, Rage Against the Machine, a number of these really political hip-hop, rap, metal-type groups I'm super into, and I see his fingerprints all over the place on those guys right so if you're into them uh you should really check this guy out what i recommended i'll drop back down to to a four um which is still a really good score right like i don't think all of these songs are going to make your playlist nothing with a flute that in the foreground should make your playlist but there's at least three or four songs that it's like cilantro you know, you're still going to taste it a little bit, but it won't be so much that you won't actually uh, go for it. Uh, overall, if you're not into rap and hip hop, probably unless you're into flute, give it, I'll give it a three. But if you do like rap and hip hop, then that bumps up to a four. And, and you need to give this a listen if you really want to understand the history of where your genre is coming from. You know, another point just before we close off here that came to me and uh, came up is um, they credited to the beginning around this same time. Uh, I already mentioned about James Brown and actually not his songs, but James Brown was notorious for his skits in between songs where they would just keep playing the drum and he'd be like, all right, audience, I'm getting hot, you know, and he would just keep going and the band would just keep playing and he would just keep rapping. Ooh. And that, and the second one that they mentioned that uh, I, I got a kick out of, and I brought up one, and I'll do it, is Muhammad Ali. So, yeah. so if you think of all his stuff, and they said really, like he was an early like poet kind of rapper. And there's one here. There's a whole bunch you can Google them, and I'll, I'll post it too. But it's like I'll even try and do it in the accent. But you think the world was shocked when Nixon resigned? Wait till I whoop George Foreman's behind. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. His hand can't hit what his eyes can't see. Now you see me, now you don't. George thinks he will, but I know he won't. I done wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. Only last week I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hop, hospitalized a brick. A brick, so I mean I make medicine sick. Love it. <laughs> I screw, screw the brick, but yeah, Ollie. There's so many of those. I loved. I remember that when I was a kid. All these little rants, and like you had to love the guy for that. I got speed and endurance. You'd better increase your insurance. We, we saw a bunch of that on the uh, the Dr. Dre album. Actually, a lot of the hip hop albums we review, uh, they seem to have these little skits, these interludes. So I guess that's probably where it came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Good point. Anyway, um, Scott Coates, you're up next. So I guess you're yeah. picking for May. Um, we never reveal it here. So come back uh, uh, the first of the month, May 1st, on our website, soniccollective.com, or any podcast platform, and that pick will be up. Uh, any closing thoughts, Scott, or anybody else? Yeah, you know, sorry, this has nothing to do with this album, but I, had, I was listening to a Rolling Stone Best Live Albums podcast a couple of weeks ago, and they had rock ones, and then 
one of them just threw in Sinatra live at the Sands, which we oh, reviewed a long time. Yeah, and, and I went back and listened to it, and I still love you're talking about Ali rapping. It's like how for about eight minutes in the middle of that, mm-hmm. does a stand up routine. Like, it's great. And I have that on vinyl. It, it sounds beautiful. It's nice. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's funny. Great. Yeah. A really mm-hmm. fun album. I had a fun time listening to it again, and just even how he comments to people in the audience. He says something about, like, why does white look so sad, baby face, or something to some woman. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. All right. Well, I'll take us out. So thanks for joining us. We hope you listen and enjoyed Pieces of a Man by Gil Scott Heron. We thought we'd add one more Scott to the mix. So that's four Scots in this review, <laughs> three of uh, the reviewers and the artist. Um, but yeah, Scott Coates is up next. And join us at thesonicollective.com or any of your favorite podcast platforms to learn more about all your favorite artists and influential albums. Okay. All because they're so afraid to say that they